This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. This next conversation, recorded quite early in the morning before both of us uh, had to do some homeschooling, uh, is with my colleague Holly Piper, who runs CAF Venturesome, um, CAF's uh, social investment fund that makes kind of low-cost loans to charities and social purpose organisations. Uh, so here's Holly. Great. Um, so hi, Holly. Thanks very much for finding some time uh, early in the morning to, to come and have a chat. Um, I just wanted to, to ask you a couple of brief questions. Um, I mean, the first one really is just to say a bit about how the COVID-19 pandemic's affecting Venturesome so far around the organisations that you're working with. Yeah, sure. So, well, thanks for having me on. Um, so I think as well as Roger, I know you know, uh, CAF Venturesome is a, a social investment fund. So we make uh, loans and other forms of investment to charities and social enterprises. Um, we make lots of loans every year. And currently we've got just over 130 current social investments. There's 130 organisations that we are currently lending money to, as well as a, a huge number more that we're, we're currently talking to. And when the kind of coronavirus um, kind of, you know, when the effects really started to become apparent, I've oh got only a week ago, <laughs> it feels, feels like a very long time ago, but just over a week ago, um, we've spoken to or, you know, contacted all of our organisations um, during that time. And it's become really clear quite how significant this impact is and it's not it's not on every organization it's worth saying so there are some organizations we support for example um community-led housing groups which are primarily volunteer run uh primarily don't have a huge amount of ongoing costs that um, aren't related to a particular building project, which is often not started yet, they're not hugely impacted um, kind of by the coronavirus crisis. Um, but contrast that with another organ, other organisations which are really on the front line, say working with kind of elderly people running day centres, for example, they're hugely and dramatically impacted, not just from a revenue point of view. Um, so most organisations um, that have kind of got back to us have had we've had meaningful con conversations with are really worried about their their revenues going forward. But for some organisations, they're also in choosing to increase their operational costs at the moment because the work they do is so valuable for those beneficiaries. So, for example, there's a, a social care organisations we support a social care organisation we support in Essex, um, and they you know support a lot of elderly people primarily through day centres and they've pivoted their services back to supporting them primarily in the home because so many of these older people are self-isolating with very little support networks around them and that's absolutely the right thing to do it's, it's wonderful this charity is doing that but obviously that puts a really severe um you know it's it's, it's a really severe impact on their own operations their own staff and their own cash flow so that's kind of yeah so contrast there yeah, I mean, that certainly chimes with a lot of what I've been hearing for from other people. Um, I mean, what from across the organisations you work with, as you say, some of them are obviously more impacted than others. I mean, what do you see as the the biggest challenges over the coming few months for them? And then do you also see kind of other challenges that, that we can already kind of see emerging over the medium or longer term? 
Yes. So in terms of the biggest challenges, um, it's I mean, it's very similar to how every other organisation in the country, I think, is, is facing as well. So mass uncertainty, um, particularly um, if you had to kind of, you know, uh, reconfigure your services, if your staff either have never worked from home or that's just not possible, uh, which for a lot of organisations is not. And so uncertainty about operations, uncertainty about income, um, uncertainty about whether all of the government support packages are applicable to the social sector so a lot of the you know the government support has been announced is is huge it's game-changing um and things like you know the wage support will absolutely my understanding is it will absolutely be applicable to you know most of the social sector some of the other schemes are less directly applicable but i know there's a lot of work going on um to see whether more support can be provided but as well as that uncertainty there's just a kind of a cash flow issue as well so from the organizations we support we know that at least a third will have severe short-term cash flow um, needs some of that we as kind of cafe and will be able to support them with some of that we won't um, just because it'll be um, bigger than we're able to provide there's a, a lot of organizations there that need support but I think the one other thing I'd say is that it's very clear that grants are really really important so for a lot of the social organizations we work really closely with they get a lot of income from trading but also a lot of income from grants, be it from foundations or regular givers or even local authorities. And that grant support is absolutely crucial in a time of uncertainty like this, where actually taking on a load of debt might not be the most appropriate thing to do, because whilst it might potentially help you out for the next couple of months, it might not stand you in very good stead over the coming year. And I think, uh, well, certainly I and everyone I've spoken to expects that kind of, you know, after you know, these you know, few months of kind of real lockdown, the next year will still be incredibly challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was going to ask you kind of what you thought the most important actions um, you know, the government, funders and charities themselves could be taking. And I think I'm hearing pretty clearly that grant funding is a massive piece of that. I mean, do you think there are other elements that can help? I mean, you mentioned there about uh, taking on debt finance or loans and possibly having some kind of guarantee for those. Do you think that that is something that could help as part of a package? Definitely. I think particularly for um, organisations which have um, ex- and expect to have going forwards um, a large portion of their income from trading. Um, that's, you know, that's that those kinds of organisations debt is is often a useful tool. And I say this as someone who provides debt and investment. So that's definitely kind of you know, the perspective I'm coming from. But uh, so I think if you're an organisation who's got primarily trading income, um, and also assets as well. Some of the schemes that will come out over the next few weeks should enable you to hopefully access more debt, perhaps a bit more easily, um, which I think is a really good thing. But for other organisations, um, grants will be crucial. Um, and I know that, you know, so CAF is working on some um, kind of schemes. There are other government schemes, other schemes out there. I know there's a, a lot of work going on behind the scenes, um, both kind of, you know, a large scale, and also a community scale as well. But those grants are really, really um, important to keep, ensure that these organisations doing a really valuable work can kind of be there in four months time when they're still needed. I think the other thing I'd say is that for some organisations are kind of, still trying very hard to deliver their activities at the moment and some of them like the social care organization i mentioned you know they've thought of a way to do that and it's quite high you know it's puts their staff at a bit of risk but it's providing crucial support to their kind of elderly people that they care for 
for other organisations. So we've got a lot of organisations we work with that um, support vulnerable children and young people. Um, and at the moment, you know, there's no school. Everyone's um, being told to kind of stay in their homes. And I think particularly for, you know, the most vulnerable children, that that's a real challenge. Um, and there's, you know, that that's uh, something that the charities we're working with are thinking really hard about how they can support children and their families at this really challenging times. And I think there's there's not a there's not a good answer out there yet. Sorry, Roger, I went off. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And I think you know, an, a, a question, an issue that many of us who are kind of struggling to adapt to, to the reality of having to parent and work from home at the same time are kind of aware that even though that's difficult, there are many, many people who are in a much more difficult situation and, and a lot of organizations kind of working on that who are struggling to help them so I think no, I think that's a really good point and um, I guess just just finally to hopefully you know leave on a slightly more upbeat note because we've talked a lot about the challenges I mean what have you seen so far from the organizations that you work with or across the sector that's kind of given you hope about the sector's ability to to kind of rise to the challenges of the next few months yeah, I mean, it is. It does feel occasionally a bit difficult to find some kind of uh, bright spots, but there definitely are some. So, the fact that so many of the charities are working with their first thoughts are for their beneficiaries and how they can support them, and those are the conversations we're having with them. It starts. It always starts with that far more than it starts with you know their staff or which you know obviously really important as well. Or you know whether their organisation will be here in a year. It starts with their beneficiaries, um, and I think to be honest, that's really heartening. Uh, we're seeing some organisations make some um, really difficult but necessary decisions to ensure that they can um, carry on kind of serving their communities in three months and three years time um and that's you know that's a really it's really challenging decisions i think particularly for actually particularly for trustees um you know most charities have volunteer trustee boards and you know those trustees are always crucial um but never more so now actually to provide that kind of um that that guidance and that oversight um, and I've spoken to lots of trustees in recent days who are who are working really hard to try and steer their organizations through and support those kind of you know those leadership teams those management teams as best they can whilst doing as alongside for, for most people is probably um, quite a busy day job and kind of family lives all the other challenges we're all facing at the moment so I guess one of my one of my bright spots actually is just all of the volunteers at, at all levels and particularly trustees who sometimes get a bit underrated um, it's really really heartening. Yeah no absolutely I'd echo that um, and yeah just to say thanks very much for finding the time uh, <laughs> at a time when it's very difficult to, to find time to, to come on um, it's great to have a chance to, to chat and you know hopefully um, we can kind of catch up and, and see how you've got on and uh, you know in a, in a few months time yeah I hope so thanks Audrey great thanks Ollie